Um, before I moved out to, to Calgary, I, I worked at a uh, addiction treatment center. And can I just say, uh, in regards to this video, the single greatest thing that we did as a ministry uh, for those men was Alpha. Um, the change that it makes in their lives is incredible. And so if you're sitting on the fence, you're not really sure, should I get involved? Should I come by? At least come and, and hear what they have to say because I'm telling you, Alpha changes people's lives. And so you want to be a part of it. Well, good morning. Good morning, Balcony. You guys sometimes get forgotten. Um, Pastor Ben is not here this morning. He is uh, actually up in the Yukon right now. Um, he, he's trying to find gold for our south expansion. And uh, no, he's, he's up there uh, doing a marriage weekend up in, uh, with a couple of churches up in the Yukon. And so uh, we're praying for him while he's up there. Him and Heather are up there and they are pouring themselves out uh, to the people of the Yukon. Um, just really believing that God's going to transform marriages. Uh, and while I'm on that note, um, there are a few spots left over for our marriage weekend in November. And so go to fa.church and you can sign up and be part of that. There's only a few spots left. And so you don't want to miss it. All right. That was a lot of information. We are in the middle of a series right now. Well, actually, we're only second weekends. We're not really in the middle, but I'm not a mathematician, so don't worry about it. We're second weekend into This Is Us, and we're talking about who we are as a church. Last week, Pastor Ben talked about a healthy you. Well, today, I get to talk to you about a healthy us. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be in relationship and to be healthy and... Um, and I hope that as we, as we get out of here, that uh, there's some practical steps you'll have uh, to really get involved in a community and, and be part of it. Just uh, a disclaimer, uh, part of my job as a pastor here at the church is I am the community group's pastor. And so um, you cannot be upset if I ask you to get involved in a community group today because it's a natural fit. So uh, that's coming, be warned. As we talk about community, as we talk about relationships, we live in a world um, where relationships are, are an odd thing now. Um, I'm old enough that I am, uh, I remember pre-Facebook. I remember, I remember what it was like to, when you said you had a friend, you actually knew them. They weren't just uh, an accepted request on a social media platform. Interesting story about Facebook. Um, for those of you that don't know, I actually met my wife on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Um, I accidentally added her, and she was the wrong Lisa Dixon. And I thought I knew her from somewhere else. I thought she was a different person. Uh, I was so cute, though, that she wanted to keep talking to me. And I chased her down and made her marry me. So that's the story of our relationship. Okay, so... Uh, Relationships, community, what does that look like? Um, there was a show on TV. Hollywood TV seems to always grab this idea of relationships and community. Uh, you know, the, we've taken our, our title off of the show, This Is Us. If you've seen uh, the show, This Is Us. 
Uh, I admitted this morning that I have not watched a second of it and was almost booed off the stage. So if you're a This Is Us fan, uh, we've kind of taken the title and we've run with this. Um, But Hollywood loves the idea of relationships. And um, if you're older, um, there was a show that came out early on. Uh, I don't know if you recognize it, but it's Cheers. Uh, I told the first uh, service, I wasn't allowed to watch the show because it happened in a bar. So uh, my parents wouldn't let me watch it just for that reason alone. Uh, but if you rem- I, I didn't, I've never seen an episode. I've never seen a second of the show. Uh, but I have the beginning song completely memorized. Anybody else with me? Anybody else have the beginning song of this show memorized? Anyone? Sing it. You don't want... I tried to sing it in the first service. And... Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you can't. Isn't it sad that a bar would be that place? Isn't it sad that I sang it? Isn't it? I've been trying for two years to get Pastor Michael to let me lead worship. And I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why he won't let me. Here's another show a little bit more recent. Maybe you've seen this show. Maybe you watched this show, Castaways. This show was on over the summer. My wife and I watched this show. And let me tell you, this show is one of the single most boring shows you're ever going to watch. It was the slowest thing. But it had this incredible uh, storyline that when you get hooked on, you end up wanting to follow the whole way through. The idea of the show was they took a bunch of average people, just... People, one was a country music singer, one was a, uh, one was a teacher, one was, one was an ex-military guy that uh, rescued people from, um, from uh, slavery. They had all these people, and they dropped them on these random little tropical islands, and they had to basically survive, and then as they met up with people, interact together in a community. And of course, they would always butt heads, and I don't want him around, I don't want her, and so they had to butt heads. All they knew throughout the show was that at some point they were going to be rescued, but they didn't know when. And so they just had to try and survive. Well, rescue came when they all finally, the ones that that were left, met together and started working together as a community. And once they started to do that, helicopters fly in, the boats pull up, the music starts, you know, tears flow. And they get rescued off this island they've been on for 40 days. But the whole idea behind it was people need each other and people want to work together because they're better together. How about this show? Have you ever seen this show? This show is called Alone and it's on the History Channel. And I got to tell you, I've seen every episode of this show. Um, Whether that makes me a nerd or a geek or whatever, I've seen every episode... I find this show completely fascinating. This show, what they do, is they take guys, men and women, that are trained survivalists. Some of them teach survival skills. And then they take them and they basically drop them in the middle of nowhere. So this past past season, they dropped them in the middle of Mongolia. Which is like the roughest terrain on the planet. And so these trained survivalists have to survive... And whoever survives the longest at the end wins. They get the the prize at the end. And uh, it's amazing watching these guys that are trained to do this. 
um, they've had ex Navy SEALs on, and they've had they've had unbelievably talented people at surviving. But inevitably, the majority of the people leave not because they're hungry, not because they're cold. They leave because they're lonely for interaction. They get so desperate to just have a conversation with someone. I mean, they even film the show themselves. So they have to set up a camera, do their chore, come back and get the camera. There's not even a cameraman around. And so they're completely on their own, and they get 40 days in, 45 days in, and you slowly see them begin to go a little bit crazy. They start talking to themselves, and they start having conversations, and you're like, this guy's going nuts. His time's going to end. And sure enough, eventually they just... They break down. They're like, I just want to see my family. I just want to go home and see the people I love. Because they aren't meant to be alone. I didn't really look at that picture. It's kind of creepy. Um, but Hollywood's grabbed this idea that everybody needs somebody. We all need somebody. We're not meant to be alone. You know, God created Adam, and, and then he was like, this guy shouldn't be alone. And so he made Eve, and he created woman. Adam probably lost something, couldn't find it, and Eve told him where to find it. We're meant to be in community. We're meant to be together. There's a story in the Bible um, that we're going to get to in just a minute. But, um, but before we jump into that, I want to tell you a story about a, a young girl. There's this young girl that, um, she was born in 1880, and uh, she was born healthy, and she got sick as a baby, and lost the ability to hear and the ability to see. You probably know who I'm talking about, it's Helen Keller. And she spent the first seven years of her life completely unable to connect with anyone, communicate at all. She couldn't, she couldn't talk to her family. She couldn't, she couldn't talk to anybody. She was completely alone. And she had all kinds of behavioral issues, all kinds of, she would lash out at people. She would, she, she just, she just wasn't able to, to function with people. She met, uh, through a bunch of interactions, she met this lady uh, named Ann Sullivan and together they developed a way for her to communicate. Helen Keller went on to graduate from college and has won numerous awards, done incredible work around the world. But she had this to say. Alone, we can do so little. Together, we can do so much. She's a woman that walked what it was like to be alone. She was alone in the world, unable to accomplish much. But together, as she learned to communicate, as she began to be able to interact with people, the accomplishments in her life are, are absolutely incredible. And so uh, we're going to remember that quote. But here's the, the chapter I want to focus on this morning a little bit. Mark chapter 2. Um, and I want to tell you this story. This is a story uh, about a group of guys that are in a tight community that I wish every one of us would have. I wish every one of us would experience the community that these gentlemen had. Mark chapter 2, we read that Jesus is heading back to Capernaum. He's heading home. Um, and he, he goes into a house, and he, he's looking to just kind of spend the night. He's, most biblical scholars believe that the house, 
that he would have been going into were, it was probably Peter's house. And so he's probably gone with Peter to his house. And he's just gone to, to hang out and spend some time. And of course, Jesus' reputation goes ahead of him. And people begin to find out that Jesus is hanging out at this house. And so people from all over begin to, they begin to, surround the house and, and they start to come into the house and the house is just packed full of people that just want to hear Jesus teach. They want to hear and see Jesus do miracles. They want to, they want to experience what Jesus is all about. The house is absolutely packed. There's another young man in this story and uh, he was probably a paraplegic. Didn't have the use of his legs. Uh, probably spent most of his time uh, begging for money, probably spent most of his time uh, waiting for the day to end, unable to get around, unable to uh, be involved in society. But this young man had a community around him, a group of friends around him. And this community knew that if they could get this young man into the presence of Jesus, Jesus could change his life. So they pick up this young man in his mat, and they begin to take him over to the house. And as they arrive at the house, they realize that there's absolutely no way that they're going to get into the house. It's just too full of people. Every, every door is blocked. Every window is blocked. And so they, they have a choice to make. They can kind of go, well, we, we tried. We attempted it. We did our best. Sorry. And walk away. Or they can do something that is incredibly courageous. And so as the story goes... These men take this, this man in his mat and they take him up to the roof and they cut a hole in the roof and they lower this man down into right in front of Jesus. Now in, in Jesus, in that day, again, I, I tend to read scripture sometimes and I think of my own surroundings and what I'm about and I think of my house and somebody climbing on my house and cutting a hole in the roof and lowering somebody through my roof and I kind of panic at the thought of it. Um, but in Jesus' day, it was different. In Jesus' day, they would have had flat roofs, would have had some logs on it. There would have been clay and, and brush that would have been placed over it. And they would have just dug away the brush and probably had tiles across the top because they actually would spend time on their roof in the nice weather. Um, something we don't have for the next few months. No, sorry. Um, but they would stay up on the roof and they would hang out up on the roof. And so these guys would have climbed up on the roof. But they would have had to carry this guy in his mat up a ladder to get to the top of this roof. And I try and think about, um, I'm terrified to climb up a ladder when it's just me. I don't like ladders. But I can't imagine climbing up a ladder and trying to drag up you know, a, a friend that didn't have the use of his legs. But they finally climb up and they, they open the roof and they lower this guy into the presence of Jesus. This incredible community that takes place in order to achieve this goal. I hope that all of us get the chance to experience that kind of community in our lives. As we look at healthy community, as we talk this morning about a healthy community, I've looked at a few things that Jesus has modeled when it comes to community. And I figure he's a good guy to try and model after. So uh, we're going to look at some things that Jesus showed us when it comes to relationships. How to have a healthy community around you. 
The first is this. Jesus makes relationships personal. He makes them personal. There's a story um, in Luke chapter 19 of this guy named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus uh, is a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. If you were in Sunday school, that makes sense to you. If you weren't, just ignore that. Okay, so he was this tiny little guy. We all love tiny guys because tiny guys rule the world. And he wants to encounter Jesus. He wants to have, he wants to see who this Jesus guy is. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector for the area. He wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector for the area. Which means not only did he get to take people's money like tax collectors do, he actually got to set the laws of the land. So he could decide, I'm going to take more money from you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And so he was an incredibly, um, everybody in the area would have known who he was. Everybody would have been very familiar with who Zacchaeus was. Most people would not have liked Zacchaeus at all, but he would have been popular. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has climbed a tree to try and see what's going on with this whole Jesus guy. And Jesus, as he's walking, he sees Zacchaeus. But an interesting point is that he actually calls Zacchaeus by his name. He doesn't say, hey, little guy. Uh, hey, short, short stuff. Um, hey, evil tax collector. Um, hey, you. No, he says, hey, Zacchaeus, get down here. I'm going to your house. He understood how to make it personal for Zacchaeus. I, um, I had a teacher in high school, uh, grade nine. He taught me grade nine science. His name was Mr. Mulvihill. And uh, I remember two things about Mr. Mulvihill, and that's it. So grade nine science, if you ever need a tutor, I am not your guy. Um, I remember two things. One, he always wore golf shirts, and he had the most crazy amount of skin on his elbow I've ever seen on any human being. And so when he'd teach, he'd move his hand, And you'd be mesmerized by the skin as it just flopped nicely in the wind. Um, I have no idea why I remember that, but I do. The second thing I remember about Mr. Mulvihill is we didn't know this until halfway through the year, but he didn't know any of his students' names. Not one. What he did is at the beginning of the year, he named the desks in his classroom... And depending on what desk you sat in, that was your name. So you, were, you sat in the pal desk, you were pal all year long. And he didn't know if you were pal or someone else was pal. He just knew somebody sitting in the pal desk was pal. Um, which was great. Uh, but once we learned this, we realized the people that like science were welcome to sit in our desks and write our tests. Because he had no idea. Cheating is bad, don't ever cheat. Interesting uh, thing with Mr. Mulvihill, though, is I had Mrs. Mulvihill, his wife, as my English teacher in grade nine. And she was the exact opposite of Mr. Mulvihill. Exact opposite. Not only did she know your name, she knew your middle name, uh, she, she knew your birthday. 
I'm sure if I asked, she probably could have told me what my social insurance number was. She knew everything about us. You'd walk through the hallway and you'd see her coming and people would hide because they'd be like, what does she know now? Like we were terrified of her. She knew so much. But the majority of the students in our school had so much respect and admiration for Mrs. Mulvihill because they felt like she knew them. She, she knew us because she knew my name. She knew that, that she knew my birthday. And so when it was my birthday, oftentimes she was the first person in school to wish me a happy birthday. She just knew about her students. And so because of that, you wanted to do well in her class. You wanted to, you wanted to try harder. You wanted to impress her. You wanted to, you wanted to get good marks because she knew you. Found out later she doesn't like me much but that's not surprising of any of my teachers. Um, Jesus, when he interacted with Zacchaeus, it wasn't just, I need a place to stay and you're here, but Jesus made it personal. I want to know you, Zacchaeus. I want to spend time with you, Zacchaeus. I want to interact with you, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus' life after that interaction is completely transformed. You know, as you read through the, chap- the, the, the story of Zacchaeus, you begin to realize that how he looked at money, how he looked at his interaction with people changed because of a personal interaction with Jesus. Can I tell you the second thing that Jesus does really well with relationships? Jesus makes them authentic. He makes it authentic. We want to have authentic relationships. There's nothing... Nothing like fake relationships. I was, a, I was a youth pastor for 15 years. No, 12 years. 12 years. It felt like 15, but it was only 12. Um, and one thing I know about young people was they could spot a fake a mile away. They wanted authentic. If you couldn't be authentic with them, they'd spot it in you and they would call you out on it. John chapter 4, Jesus has this interaction and he's uh, he's on a journey, long trip, and he's getting tired. And so he stops, and he sits down at a well, and he sends his disciples, go find some food. We need to eat, so go get food. And while he's sitting at the well, this woman comes up, a Samaritan woman. You may have heard this story. But a Samaritan woman comes up, and she begins to get water from the well, and Jesus begins to have a conversation with her. And it starts off very small and very light. And as they're having the conversation, she begins to become intrigued by the things that Jesus is saying. Jesus is talking at the time about about living water versus the water that she has to dig out of this well. And she is intrigued by that. I want water that, that I'll never be thirsty. I'll never go thirsty. That's an amazing thing. I want that. And so Jesus gets right to the to, to the authentic part of the, of the relationship. He says to her, I'll tell you all about it, but I need you to go get your husband. And of course she says to him, I, I, don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a husband, so don't worry about it, just give me the goods. And he says, you're right, you don't have a husband. You actually have a whole bunch of husbands and the guy you're living with is not your husband now. And so in the middle of this interaction... Jesus takes the time to be authentic. I know for me, sometimes 
I fear these conversations and I, I, I pull back from them because I don't want to jump into the deep end. I don't want it to be authentic. I know in my life, in the, I, there's times that I, I hold stuff back and I'm like, I don't, want, I don't want people to know. I don't want them to know the real me. And so I'm going to hold stuff back. But Jesus understands that for relationships to transform people, there has to be an authentic component to those relationships, to those communities. We want to be authentic here at First Assembly. We don't, want to be, we don't want to be fake. We want to be known as people that are authentic as we pursue Jesus Christ. I have a friend, um, um, and I, I, I guess he'd be my best friend. Um, my, my wife always gives me a hard time. She's like, well, who's your best friend? And I'll be like, well, you are. Like, what am I going to say? She's like, no, 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 besides me. Like, who's really your best friend? I'm like, Jesus, I don't, I don't know. What do you want from me? Uh, I'm a guy. I don't have best friends. Um, Mark would probably be my best friend. Um, I was trying to think back to the last conversation I had with him. And the last conversation I had with him, he was saying, asking me how the transition to Calgary was going. And that was two years ago. So um, we're best friends we just don't talk much. We're not very good at it. Um, and I was trying to think back to the conversations we've had before that. And I remember one conversation. And then the one before that, I remember, was his, him having his firstborn, which I think was nine years ago. So we don't talk much. But we have fantastic conversations when we do. They're authentic. They're real. He's a pastor in Ontario. And, and when we do talk... Um, we talk about the real things that, that are going on. The real things that are, are dealing with. When his mother got cancer and, and passed away, our relationship was there. It was authentic. I walked through him with him. When I got married, he was my best man, and he celebrated with me as I finally found someone that would marry me. Um, we have these great... In fact, I, I remember one conversation he called me, and when I saw it was him, I picked up the phone. I was like, what, hey, what... What's wrong? Are you, everything okay? He's like, yeah, no, everything's everything's good. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, then, what happened? Or, like, something must like is there exciting news? Well, what's like, no, no exciting news. My wife just said it'd been too long since we talked, and so I should call you. It's like, oh, well, that's that's great. Okay, well, thanks for calling. Like. I don't know, if there's nothing going on, I don't, I don't do relationships well. Um, but they're authentic. So when something happens, I know that he's going to be the guy that's going to call me out. I know that when, when something big happens in my life, he's going to be the first guy to call and, and want to celebrate with me. I know that, I know that when, when we have the birth of our kids, I know that I know he's cheering for me. Might forget to call, but he's cheering for me. Do you have relationships that are authentic? And does it work for you? Like I said, we don't talk often, but, they're, but it's authentic. It's real. And I know when the guy calls me out, I know he's got my best interest in mind. The third thing uh, that we see from Jesus uh, is that when it comes to community, when it comes to relationships, he makes it a priority. He prioritizes the relationship. There's a story in Luke chapter 10, and it's the story of Mary and Martha. 
And uh, Martha basically invites Jesus to come hang out at their house. And so Jesus shows up and uh, he's sitting in their living room and Martha's scurrying everywhere, just running everywhere, trying her best to, uh, to try and make this the perfect experience for Jesus. And so she's in the kitchen cooking and she's cleaning and picking up and wanting to put on this good show for Jesus. She just really wants him. And, and, and Mary is just hanging out with Jesus, just sitting around, doing nothing. And, Mar- and Martha's getting angry. Martha's just getting frustrated. She's like, I'm doing all this work, and, and Mary's just sitting there, just doing nothing. She's being lazy. She's good for nothing. She's getting angry. And so she comes to Jesus, and she says this, Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. Put her to work, Jesus. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much. And getting herself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and won't be taken away from her. Mary understood the importance of just being and building the relationship. Jesus understood the importance. Yeah, there's things to do. Yeah, life is busy. Yeah, there's stuff happening. But, but, but stop fussing over all that stuff and, and prioritize your relationships. Prioritize those relationships. Found a, a few statistics that I thought I'd share with you. The average person on our globe lives till to 78.1 years old. And so knowing that, here are some statistics of how you're spending your life. The average person will sleep 229,961 hours, or 26.23 years of their life. Just to give you some context, you would be able to watch Anne of Green Gables 105,325 times. And if you're like me, you'd sleep the entire time. Here's another way you spend your time. The average person spends 32,098 hours or 3.66 years eating. All you do is eat for three and a half years of your life. Some of us do far more than that. How about this one? The average person spends 37,935 hours or 4.33 years driving. And you'll travel 1,284,256 kilometers. You ever thought of that? You ever think of that when you're sitting in a red light? I don't. Just, again, for context, that would be equivalent to driving to the moon three times. That's how you spend your time. The average person will spend 90,360 hours or 10.31 years sitting at their desk at work. Doing nothing but work. The average person will spend 56,000 hours or 6.46 years surfing the internet. Reading about absolutely nothing. The average person will spend 80,486 hours or 9.18 years of their life watching TV. You will spend 
just over nine years doing nothing but watching TV. Again, for context's sake, that means you could watch every episode of The Big Bang Theory 838 times. I have no idea why you'd want to do that. Last one. The average woman spends 12,896 hours or 1.47 years cleaning. I'll let you arm that with women. You can take that out on your husbands because the average man spends 6,448 hours or 0.74 years doing the exact same thing. So women, you clean almost twice as much. I am convinced it's because if you're in my house, I clean, and then my wife just cleans what I just cleaned again because I didn't do it right. Which equals to roughly double the amount of cleaning, which makes total sense. What are you spending your time doing? What is your priorities? What do you prioritize in life? Is it relationships? Is it, is it community? Is that important to you? We prioritize a lot of things. My daughter um, just started ballet. She's three. And so she's in ballet, and it's the cutest little thing. They're all wearing little tutus, and they have these little ballet shoes, and it's the most adorable thing. Um, and I love going to watch her do it. Like, I just, it's, I love watching her. On Saturday, I missed watching her do ballet because I had other things I had to do. And I hate that. I, I just, I hate that. But I chose not to prioritize that on Saturday. And sure enough, my three-year-old walks through the door and goes, Dad, ballet was awesome and you missed it. I'm like, oh, thank you, daughter. Tegan, you're amazing. I'm going to go to my room and cry. Um, but what are you prioritizing? What are you prioritizing? I told you I wasn't going to talk a whole lot about community groups, but Pastor Ben asked me to talk about community, and my job is community groups, so here it comes. Um, If you're not part of a community group, you need to be part of a community group. We value at the church being part of community in that way. You know, as we look back at that first story of those guys that are carrying the man in the mat, as we look back at that story, here's why all of us should be involved in a community group. Because there will be times in your life where you will be the man in the mat. You will be the man in the mat. And you will need somebody around you to pick up your mat and carry it for a while. But there will also be times in your life where you will need to be the guy carrying the guy in the mat. Can I tell you a couple of stories from last year with community groups? I've shared some of the details, but I want to share this with you. We had a lady in our church last year. And she was part of a community group. And unfortunately, on an evening, her son and her granddaughter, um, they had carbon monoxide in the house in BC. And her son and her granddaughter passed away. Completely tragic. I, I can't even imagine anything worse. Just terrible. But she was part of a community group. And the community group right away were the ones that stepped up to help her out. They were the ones that stepped up 
to bring meals to her when she couldn't bring herself to preparing meals for herself. And when she decided that she needed to move to BC to be close to her daughter-in-law and the other grandkids, it was a community group that showed up to pack up her house because she didn't want to look at the pictures. Couldn't get to the point where she'd look at the pictures yet. And so her community group, a community group, stepped up to pack up the house to help move her to be close to family. Can I give you a second story? We had a family in our church and uh, they had a couple of kids and, and she was pregnant and uh, the doctors decided she needed to be on bed rest for the last three or four months of the pregnancy. But not just on bed rest, but she had to be in the hospital on bed rest. And while she was in the hospital, it was a community group that stepped up and made meals for the husband and the other kids. It was a community group that showed up in the morning to put the kids on the bus so the father could get to work on time. It was a community group that stepped up to carry the weight. In fact, the nurses in the hospital were asking them what church they went to that a church would go that far to take care of somebody who was on bed rest. That's why community is important, because you don't know what's coming. You don't know what's around the corner. You don't know the situations that are, are unfolding. And whether it's in your life or somebody else's life, you might need to carry their mat. You might need to be the person that lowers the mat through the roof for that person. You might need to be the person that, that, that drags them up a ladder in a time of need. Community groups in our church is the way we can be healthy together as a, as a giant body. We have so many people, wonderful people in our church. But did you know that if you show up in church on a Sunday morning, it is very difficult to actually connect into deep relationships if that's all you do. There's so many of us. But when you get into a tight-knit group, a small group of people, a small group of people that are going to care for you through life's experiences, that you're going to get the opportunity to care for them through life's experiences, That's where community becomes so valuable. That's where community takes hold in people's lives. It's the relationships that transform. Like I said, I'm not always the greatest. My wife is fantastic. She's just, she's just amazing at this. She just, it's, 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 creepy. I was going to say it's creepy. It's not creepy. It's, it's creepy. She just is so good at it. She just interacts with people and, and builds relationships. She's, she's done it with people at the gym. She's done it with, uh, she's got, she's on, um, she's on these baby boards. Moms, if you know what I'm talking about, she's on these baby boards. She's been on this baby board for eight years since Tyson was born, before he was born. And they journey together. And we've met up with these women all over the country because my wife has built these incredible relationships. We've been we're driving through Saskatoon and, and hey, let's stop and meet someone. I'm like, you know someone in Saskatoon? Of course you know someone in Saskatoon. Why wouldn't you know someone in Saskatoon? But are we taking the time to prioritize authentic relationships? Are you personalizing the relationships that you've got? Do you spend the time doing it in... in When I was working at the addiction treatment center, one of the things that we always said was, um, 
the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. It's community. Because when the guys get into community, everything changes. Everything's different. Everything is different when you have a community around you that cheers you on. Betty Ruth, who comes to the first service, um, I shared this in the first service, but she grew up in Ottawa in the church that I grew up in. And so she was just back there a couple weeks ago. And uh, she took a picture with a bunch of ladies that she was friends with. And she put it on Facebook. And so I saw this picture. And there in this picture, there was 15 ladies. And I think there was one that I didn't know. The other 14 ladies were all ladies that at some point in my life spoke into my life. They built a relationship with me. They were my, they were my Sunday school teachers. They were my kids' workers. They were um, my parents' friends. They were, but all of them at some point spoke into my life. And seeing this picture of these women that some of them I hadn't seen in 20 years, and they're all standing together, I'm like, everybody needs a community like I had. That's all I can say is everybody needs it. I would not be where I am if it was not for people like those 15 ladies that prayed and prayed and prayed because they knew prayer was literally the only answer for me. Without prayer, there was no hope for me. Are you part of a community that that does that? I'm going to get the worship team to come up to the front. When we look back at this story of the the guys lowering this mat. When we look back at this story of these men that would climb a ladder, open a roof, and lower a man to meet Jesus, Jesus has an interesting response when he sees this man lowered through the roof. This paraplegic lands in front of him, and you'd think it was quite obvious what this man needed, couldn't get up off the mat, was obvious. But Jesus doesn't speak the obvious. Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. I'm sure the guys are staring through the hole in the roof, looking down and going, I didn't carry him up the ladder because of his sins. Like, I'm sure they were looking like, no, come on, like, there's, there's more to this. It's not just his sins, but Jesus, first and foremost, cared about what was going on inside the man. Jesus understood that the relationship, it was the internal that Jesus needed to spend his time on. Interestingly enough, there's a bunch of religious people that are all standing around, and, and they, of course, say, well, who are you to forgive his sins? Only God can do that. And so Jesus responds to them and says, you're right, only, only God can do that, but what's easier to say your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk? And so they're like, they mumbled, and he goes, well, whatever, here, just get up and walk. And so all of a sudden the man gets up and he's instantly healed. He's instantly healed. But Jesus doesn't start with the ex- external. He starts with what's happening inside the man. When you're in authentic relationships, when you are personal in those relationships, people will care about what's going on inside your life. Not just about the circumstances. Not just about the outside. But they will care about who you are on the inside. Don't miss 
out on relationships. I'm going to get you to stand with me. We're going to... um, We're going to pray here in just a second, but um, normally at the end of a service, we tell people to come up and pray for whatever the sermon is about. And um, Today, I don't really want to do that. I want to do something different. I mean, we're going to have people up here to pray, and if you need prayer, I invite you to come, but but I don't want you just to come up and pray for community. My charge to you is not just to come up and pray for it. My charge to you is go out and make it. Go out and create it. Go out and strengthen it. Go be the mat carrier for the people that need someone to carry their mat. Maybe you're here and you're the person that just, you're looking, I need somebody to help me carry my mat. Life is, life is difficult. Life is challenging. Life is, I'm in a season where I, I just don't know Join a community that will help carry your mat. Outside in the lobby, there's a table with a bunch of green signs on it. If you're not part of a community group, I would encourage you, find a group. Jump in with both feet. Jump in because someday you're going to need it, but jump in because someday someone's going to need you. That's my charge to you. Jump in. Develop community. Make it real. Make it personal in your life. Don't just show up on a Sunday morning, leave your van door open, and try and jump in and get out. We want community in this church to be authentic, we want it to be real. And so if you're not part of a community group, I encourage you today, go sign up. It's not too late. Go sign up for a community group. But before we even get to there, I just want to pause. And I, maybe you're here and you're, you've never been in church and all this is just strange. It's new. But you're going through something in life. Can I just tell you, all those things that we're talking about community, Jesus wants with you. Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. Jesus wants to authentically speak into your life. He cares about the things you're going through. He cares about what's going on in your life. And Jesus prioritized the relationship with you when he died on the cross. So maybe you're here and you're just like, I'm just starting out on this, but there's something to it. What do I do? I want to pray for you. And so I'm going to ask everybody just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. I want to pray for you. And so if, if you're here and you just, you want to have that kind of relationship with, with Jesus, I just want you to stick your hand up and let me know. And then I can just, I'll make eye contact and thank you. Thank you balcony thank you thank you
we value relationships at First Assembly. We value community. Jesus loves you so much. And I am so, I just want to stop and just say thank you for that response. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. I'm just going to pray for you. Father, thank you for these hands that went up. God, you know each of their stories. God, you know each of their journeys. You know what they've been through. You know what they're going through. God, you know their hurt. You know their pain. God, you know their, their joy. Father, for each of them as they begin today, a new chapter. God, I pray that you would show up in their lives in an incredible way. That you would show up in a way that will transform everything about their lives. In Jesus' name. I don't want to embarrass any of you that put your hands up, but Pastor Casey's up front here. Um, I'd encourage you, when the service ends, come talk to, come talk to him. We just want to start building a relationship with you. We're not looking to, to lock you into anything. We just want to build a relationship with you to help you on this journey that you're starting today. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to finish with some worship. Prayer team, where are you? Prayer team, come on up prayer team, come on up. If you need prayer for something, I don't want to discourage you. I want you to come up. I want you to have people that will pray with you. There are people that would love to pray with you. And so they're coming up. If you need prayer, by all means, come. But like I said, my charge to you is not just to come up and pray, but my charge to each of you, everybody in this room, if you're not part of a community, I don't care if you're 18 years old or if you're 88 years old, if you're not part of a community group, my charge to you is go to the back table and find a group that fits for you because somebody needs you and you need somebody. And I know that to be true. So we're going to worship and if you need prayer, they're here. If you made a decision today, come talk to Pastor Casey or myself. Otherwise, join a community group. Be part of community. Building community in our church. Pastor Casey is going to come close us off in just a minute, but let's worship together.